Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the passionate, the impassioned, and the persuasive who are out there doing good in the world at large. They're disruptors, but they're also disruptors with a common denominator, and that is also a very high GSD index. They get shit done. Recently, we had an opportunity to converse with Priyanka Nande, the Chief Information Technology Officer for Special Olympics. And we learned a lot about the digital transformation that she's architecting in the world of Special Olympics, brought about by an opportunity created during the pandemic to reach Special Olympians in new and vibrant ways. Welcome back to the show, Priyanka. It's great to have you for a second episode. Let me ask you this as we get started. You shared in the first episode a lot of the programs that you were starting, you know, Gaming for Inclusion, the Shoutcasters, all these other things. But what we didn't really have an opportunity to talk to is to help our listening and viewing audience understand better how to plug into Special Olympics as a movement. You keep referring to it as a movement. It's just not an organization. It's a movement helping people with intellectual disabilities be seen, be heard, be represented, uh, be out in the world and create community for them. So let's talk a little bit about that. Some of your colleagues and friends refer to you as the Empress of Data and that you are really, really passionate about data. So I think that's maybe a good starting point for us to talk about how you've used the information from 16 million athletes who are all Special Olympians and how you're using that data to continue your transformation journey digitally at Special Olympics. So help us understand that a little bit better. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I often refer to data as ground truth, Ron, because what what that really tells us is where where are we, what are we doing, and is it working? You know, that's at a at a very basic level something that we need to take take stock of as we evolve our organization. Right? Scale is enabled by understanding the principles and the variables that enable scale. So, if we want to move, so I want to make one correction. We've had six million athletes to date. We lost a fair number of athletes during the pandemic. When it first hit and we were no longer able to meet in person, mm -hmm. all of a sudden in some of our um, regions, our athletes moved on. They didn't come back to practice. They didn't have access to the internet, so they couldn't even be connected online. So what happened was significant drop-off of athlete participation in the movement. So we're, we're at this precipice now where we need to grow back to the levels we were before the pandemic Right. And then we need to continue to grow. And so the only way that I know that this is possible is to understand the numbers. Who are our athletes? Where are they? What are they interested in? How have they been participating with us? Start treating our athletes like customers. Start really looking at our beneficiaries as individuals that get services from us. So by taking this new stance and talking to my executive leadership and our board about using data as the driver to enable scale, now we get to rebuild the technology foundation that helps make that happen. So one of the ways we focused on this was really to think about what we call the athlete data project. This is thinking about every athlete in our movement and everything that we think we need to know both about them and what we can offer them and how we can support them and think about all the ways we capture that information across the movement. So globally, where are we capturing? Who are they? What they do? What they need? It's a huge data problem, right? Because our right. organization is federated. So that means every Special Olympics chapter has its own technology. 
So I'm like, let's wow. look at that challenge, right? We don't have a central model for technology uh, deployment. So now we're building that. So my first kind of major goal was one, to take stock of all the data that we have, how we use it, how we don't use it, what asset, uh, what level of asset is that data? How can we make decisions with it? Then it was, how do we then index on getting that shared data view across every single region that we are operating in? And that's where we bring in modern cloud technology to do that, right? The, the systems exist, the platforms exist. It's about applying those cloud tools to the nonprofit NGO sector. And the good news is some of the major players out there, the Salesforces of the world, the Microsofts of the world, they've already seen the, the nonprofit sector as being a viable sector to sell to. In the past, these technologies and these principles were very unaffordable for the NGO world. You wouldn't even find talent that knew how to do these things, but right. now we've been able right. to attract talent We've been able to find the corporate sponsorships in some cases, and we're starting to come through with a with a core uh, centralized data strategy. So as we know, who are our participants, both athletes with ID, athletes without ID, volunteers, coaches, once we know our constituencies really well, we can architect a series of digital experiences, right, that keep them engaged. So it's not just about, do we want your money to help our organization? It's, do we want your time and your involvement and engagement? And how can we convert you, say, from a donor to a coach or from an athlete to a coach and so forth and so on? And the only way we can do this is by knowing who you are and, and providing you those experiences. And this has been true, I think, across all of sports. This is not just an issue that our sports organization faces. Um, you saw the same drop off in kind of attending sports. Absolutely. So there's no, there's nothing novel here, but it's really just applying all of these these data strategies and principles to the nonprofit sector first and foremost, and to then make it real, make it actionable. You know, the collecting data is is a cost, so we want to make sure that what we collect and how we use the information we have, we can maximize that that benefit. So it's been a journey to explain a lot of the benefit of this approach to our our stakeholders, but now that we're starting to see through the athlete data projects in return. We're starting to be able to make decisions in a more tactical way, in a more strategic way. We're looking at retention. How long do our couch coaches stay with us? How long do our athletes stay with us? When when do we have a dearth in recruitment? How do we how do we surface getting more athletes into the movement? These are all data questions, right? So that's the big switch in the uh, strategy behind how we collect and use information, all the systems we use them, all the technologies we use for data integration and data analysis, uh, even hiring a data science team, all novel things, but all things that I think a lot of nonprofits can start to look at uh, for their own operations. And they can also do it with not as much an investment as you think. Yeah. In our previous episode, you were talking about the health information and all the things that you're doing to extend the engagement you have with these Olympians. And it seems to me that that's a real avenue of opportunity for Special Olympics. And I'd like to hear more about, you know, it seems to me that for, for some athletes with ID, they're not going to participate fully as an athlete, but they may be able to become part of the movement and maybe uh, be a coach or maybe uh, get involved in the organization in different ways. Can you talk more about the different levels of engagement for our viewing and listening audience? They go to specialolympics.org, but where else can they plug in uh, to the tremendous uh, variety of things that you're offering, not only your, your Special Olympians, but those who support them? 
I would definitely say let's uh, I'd tell people to again check their local chapter where they are where they live and see what opportunities for volunteering they have. Um, typically, it's we're looking for coaches. We definitely need coaches, but um, and you don't have to be like you know certified coach, but we get you training and we certify you. So all that's done for you. Um, we also have a variety of healthcare-driven events. So if you're in the medical professional career. We're looking for PTs. We're looking for M MDs. Anyone who can spare some time to join one of our healthy athletes screening in person. Again, we do the training for those events. Uh, we get you certified um, for those. And then we have a variety of options for virtual support. So if you can't be in person, you can certainly reach out to your chapter uh, volunteer coordinator and say, hey, I can work on something virtually. So if you happen to be an IT professional or you have other skills that you think you can do, uh, virtually, we're happy to accept all of those. So those are some of the ways to get directly involved. But if you want to keep taps on us, you know, we're on Instagram, uh, we're on TikTok, we're on all the social media at Special Olympics. And there you can see um, calls to action all of the time. So again, even if you go to uh, your local Jersey Mike's and get a sub sandwich, that gets us a donation. So there's so many ways that you can get involved if you can't necessarily provide funding or, or um, your time. Right. What a wonderful organization. Uh, to those in our listening and viewing audience, we have Priyanka Nandi here talking about the digital transformation of Special Olympics. And it's really powerful. Um, Priyanka, what I want to talk now about is life after athletics for your Special Olympians. You know, as in the case of uh, sort of traditional uh, Olympic athletes or anyone who's pursued a sport, professionally or even just through school, um, there's life afterwards. Their, their sports career, part-time, full-time, professional, not, is going to end. But the lessons that they learn uh, are going to carry with them. Can you talk a little bit about how the data and how your digital transformation can support people as they grow through the organization as, and as they grow beyond the point at which they're actively pursuing sports uh, in the Special Olympics? Yeah. I mean, you know, athletes take all kinds of forms, Ron. So you can be both an athlete and a coach. You can be an athlete and a professional. And if you don't want to be an athlete or you take a break, those other parts of yourself still persist, right? So in essence, you know, what we're thinking about is what else can we offer our community? So we want to think about it at a broader level. So for, we're focused a lot on health as a core principle of our organization. We're talking about sport. We're also talking about education and leadership. These are our four core pillars. There's a whole host of things that a person in the movement or a participant in the movement can gain from each one of those core areas, depending on what you're interested in. So we have um, teachers who are getting trained with our curriculum on how to support social emotional learning. We've talked about that before. We're talking about um, uh, uh, people with neurodivergence issues or uh, areas that can get jobs in the workforce. So we're looking for corporate partners that would help um, create uh, workforce support programs and training uh, support programs. So how do we help you create a LinkedIn profile and get yourself out there and get our job? Like these are all, all things that we're, we're focused on. Um, we do a lot of coaching training. That coaching training can extend beyond just sport, right? Being able to lead people, um, uh, inspire people. These are all skills that take you outside of just traditional sports. So I think there's plenty of embedded, um, opportunities for athletes to participate, even if they're not on the field. Um, 
And, you know, I think that will only continue to grow as our community service options grow. It certainly sounds that way from the looks of your data strategy that you've got a lot of places where you're going to be able to grow the community. And I think that's the wonderful thing we've been hearing from you about is, you know, it takes a village. And so these Special Olympians are not simply competing in the sports arena. They're connecting with other people and they're being seen sometimes for the first time. They're getting access to healthcare for the first time. They're getting access to education and health information many times for the first time. I think that's probably, um, in a nutshell, the power of unleashing the data that you have at Special Olympics uh, because your reach is far, far and wide. You know, you were talking earlier in, in our first installment about the, the people uh, whom the organization is most impacted. And I'd like you to get real personal here and share with us any stories you may have about where you've seen this strategy help someone who otherwise uh, may have ceased their engagement, may not have fully um, taken advantage of all the opportunities that participation in the movement would bring them. You know, I, I think the best way to see the impact of our movement is to go to an event. <laughs> like, um, and to, well, I'll give you two examples. Um, one is a virtual one. So my neighbor has an amazing daughter who's a Special Olympics uh, athlete. She's in dance sport. She's part of Special Olympics uh, Montgomery County in Maryland. And um, during the pandemic, they had uh, all of their practices online. So you would go over to their their place and see a Zoom screen with all of the other um, Special Olympics athletes and they'd be practicing their dance sport routine. Like, oh, wow. you know, yeah. and I'm wearing a mask in the back, you know, trying to practice. Right. And, you know, they were so happy to be connected and to be doing what they always do and being with their teammates and learning their routine and being part of something they knew they would be competing on, even right. if it was virtual, right? So I was sitting there going, oh man, this is the power community right here. Like these, this, there was at one point over a hundred people on this Zoom call. Wow. You know, um, and they were from all over the country. And that was very eye-opening for me. And I was like, okay, so this has already worked. Our in-person events and that opportunity space for people to come together has already created this, this way to these lifelong friendships, these lifelong um, um, community uh, opportunities. Um, and then, you know, I would then fast forward we started to open up our activities. I started to go to events for the first time. Cause remember I joined during the pandemic. So I had never even seen an event person. Um, and all of a sudden I was, you know, like rolling up my sleeves at a healthy athletes event, um, supporting uh, some of the health screening work we do at Orlando at Disney world for the USA games this last summer in June. And wow. we screened, we had 14,000 screenings during that event. Amazing. And you had athletes getting um, physical therapy uh, uh, guidance. You had athletes getting their eyes checked, their hearing checked. Um, and all of a sudden I'm going, wow, okay, this is the power of us in person. Okay. Now it just blew my mind. And, you know, all of those experiences for me have the first thing I'm looking at, to be honest with you, is how can we make these better? Right. This is already awesome, but how can we make this better? And where can technology really accelerate those improvements? So those athletes and those volunteers um, and those family members are having the best experience possible, regardless of where they are with us, right? And then I think about what I did recently where I've got, I was able to travel overseas and see a program in a different country in a different context and how that 
same ethos exists. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. It's the same. And I was like, okay, so there's some universal principles here, you know, of how we take what we do and what we offer and really bring technology to bear. And every tech, every region will be slightly different. Um, I, I, I know I have colleagues in the Africa region where technology is not accessible right now. So they're thinking about the analog versions of some of the things I'm talking about, right? Or the offline versions of some of the right. things I'm talking about. Right. So we have to kind of look at the whole uh, whole spectrum of ways that technology will influence each of these experiences moving forward and the ones that we want to continue to grow. Um, but again, I think I've said this before, you know, knowing who those athletes are and the best way to reach them as our first goal keeping them engaged through a variety of growing experiences the next. Um, we've had programs go out and start meditation classes and all kinds of new ways to keep people thinking about their well-being, even if it's not just pure sport anymore. So I can just give you thousands of examples, Ron, but it, it's it's been such a, an amazing time for me to, to explore and discover how our movement can change and shift with with technology. And it's, I think it's just the beginning. Well, it sounds like step one for all of us is to get out there and get to an event. So thank you, Priyanka, for joining us. This has been Disrupt Ed, uh, where we talk to the powerful, the passionate, the purposeful, the do-gooders out there who are disrupting the world as we know it. We've had the pleasure of engaging Priyanka Nandy, Chief Information Technology Officer for Special Olympics in a second episode to share the power of data that Special Olympics is taking advantage of to leverage the experience for Special Olympians across the globe. Thank you, Priyanka, for all the work you're doing. Any last words to our viewing and listening audience out there? I'm really thankful for your audience, their time and attention. Um, we're happy to have you join the movement at any time. Check us out at specialolympics.org and on social media at Special Olympics. Thank you so much, Fantastic. Ron. Thank you, Priyanka. This has been another episode of Disrupt Edge.